but it is good to have you. Anyway, so we are talking about alarms, and to be honest, nobody likes the alarm clock, right? I mean, nobody. Nobody likes that alarm clock. It's like evil incarnate, you know. There's, I, I found this uh, meme up on Dad, if you want to throw that up there. It's pretty much, this is, this, is, this is how we feel about this. Have you ever seen Wreck-It Ralph? It's a great moment. Anyway, just remember though, every time your alarm clock buzzes at you in the morning and rouses you to the worst mood in the world, just remember that it could be worse. It could be like this. Just more proof that cats are evil. So at least you don't... Uh, does anyone actually have that alarm clock? Does anyone have a cat that wakes them up in the morning? You have a puppy that wakes you up in the morning. That could be better or worse. I'm not quite sure. No hairballs, but more licking, I think. Eesh. Yeah, that's not for me. But if you are looking to get a little bit more spice into your alarm clock life... Because uh, I know some people, you know, we get used to that little dinger on the iPhone or whatever, and we need something else to kind of get it going in the morning. And you don't have a cat, here are some options for you. I've, I've looked up some uh, creative alarm clock options. So this is the first one. This one is called Clocky. When you press the snooze button on Clocky, it runs away. So it will drive away and hide and then beep at you. So essentially, you have to chase it and find it so that it will stop screaming at you. So it's basically like having a toddler, really, is what that one is. Or there's this one. This one is a puzzle alarm clock. In the morning, when, a, when the alarm goes off, it flings puzzle pieces across the room. And you have to collect them all and put them in the right place in order for the alarm to go off. So it's a little IQ test in the morning. That's, that's kind of nice. And then there's uh, this one. This is the floor mat alarm clock where you have to put both feet and stand on it in order for the alarm to go off. Personally, I think it's just going to lead to a lot more of this in the morning. But then there's my favorite. My favorite one is the snooze and lose. Okay, so the, what this does, this gets on the internet, it has your bank details, and every time you press the snooze button, it will send a donation to an organization that you hate. So you really, really have to think through how important that extra nine minutes of sleep is, how much it's going to cost you. Snooze and lose. If I find out that our church is the organization that you hate, you know what? It doesn't matter. We'll take it. I don't, I don't care. We'll take it. Put us on there. Snooze away. <laughs> All right, so alarm clocks. Yeah, not so, not so gentle, those things. Last week, we had this nice sort of 
slow dawn transition thing, you know, where we moved from darkness into light. Did anyone wake up and, and watch the dawn this week? Yeah, I felt like that was a little ambitious. I did it on Saturday. That's <laughs> but there was this kind of, one of the things that really struck me in that moment is how slow a sunrise is. It takes a long time. I'm like sitting there, it's like, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready. You know, it's TV culture, I guess. But so this week, we're a little bit more abrupt with the alarm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Let's have explored together. So just a little bit of a catch-up. Some of you haven't been here for the beginning part of the series. Um, the series is, as Nate says, it's awake. It's about waking ourselves up this year to what God is doing in our lives. We want to prepare ourselves for a great 2020. We want a good year this year, a year where God does some amazing things and we can connect in with what's happening and it's really, really good. So that's what we want this year. Um, and last week we talked about embracing, in Ephesians 5, we talked about embracing moving from darkness into light. That's what the dawn was about. Um, so part of our waking up is embracing the fact that we are children of light. We belong in God's kingdom and in, in His following him um, and, and to move away from darkness, which is a life that is not led by God. And so now we're going to move into this next sort of idea of alarm. And Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17, if you're doing the worksheets, by the way, you can write down Ephesians 5, 15, if you want to copy that down. It's the first up till wise, not as unwise, but as wise, just by the way. Let's have a read. It says, be very careful then. We've talked about moving from darkness into light. We had the little phrase, wake up and let Christ shine on you. And it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So there's a lot of stuff you could unpack from that. Uh, there's a lot of cool things there. There's this living wisely, not unwisely. There's this idea of making the most of every opportunity that God presents to us. There's this idea of understanding what the Lord's will is. All of this is really important. It's really good stuff. But the thing that really struck me in this passage, and, and I think the bit that kind of drives this and really hits to the heart of where I want to go this morning, is that first phrase, be very careful how you live. Be very careful. Um, in the original language, Greek, um, this phrase is blepeti akribos, which you're going to remember and use a lot this week. So you want to write that down. But you will write that down on your sheet. It means to watch accurately. I like that. To watch accurately. I kind of get this impression of kind of like... Um, you know, an engineer or someone who is putting together something very delicate and he's watching accurately where he puts every piece. Or a choreographer who is watching all of the dances and, and planning every step, every turn, exactly the way that they want it so that it all come together. Or someone who's like poring over a book, doing a research paper or something, and, and they're watching every word accurately. It speaks to a level of intentionality. This is not accidental. 
there is a very intense sort of, we want to do this, and we want to do this right. And so he's saying, be, watch accurately how you live. Be very intentional about how you live, especially in context of the way that we relate to God. So what do you reckon? Is that what we do? Would you consider yourself living, watching accurately how you live in relation to God? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I'm not going to make you answer that. But if you're like me, you might find that sometimes we kind of live on autopilot a little bit. We kind of drift into this way of doing life where everything else just, just crowds in and there's so much to get done. We've got to get that assignment done for school. You know, we've got to get the kids up and ready. We've got to make lunches. We've got to cook dinner. We've got to get the laundry done. We've got to, we've got to prepare for that meeting at work. We've got to get all of this stuff done or bigger things. You know, we've, we've got to get that right job or we've got to get the house sorted or, or whatever. And there's all of these, and they're all important. They've got to happen. I mean, life is life, right? We can't just, eh, don't care about that stuff. It does, it is important. But sometimes all of that stuff happens so much we forget and we kind of get distracted from God. And we're, we're less in tune to what God is doing in our lives and we kind of are a bit oblivious to what God is, is doing. Have you ever seen the movie Shaun of the Dead? Okay, we've got one true film nut here. So you will know this, no one else will, but there's this fantastic scene. It's a comedy zombie movie, if you can believe that. But there's the scene where this guy is just, he's walking to the shop like he does every day. Yeah, you've seen this. And there's been a zombie apocalypse, okay? He doesn't know this. And he's just walking down the street and there's like zombies going uh, up the street. There's smashed windows. There's dead people lying around, which is why I didn't show the clip. And there's all sorts of stuff going, and he just, he just, he's oblivious to it. And he just walks into the shop, and he opens the window. There's like blood stains on the window. He's grabbing his Coke, and he goes, and he pays, and he's not paying attention to the zombies in the store, and he walks all the way back home, even bumps into one of them, you know, thinks he's asking for change or something, you know, and just completely oblivious to the fact that the world has gone nuts, and there's, you know, Armageddon, and there's, you know, zombie apocalypse. And it's just a great picture of sometimes how we go through life spiritually, we're just drifting. We're drifting through life. We're busy. We're productive. Things are happening. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on, but as far as God is concerned, we're just kind of, you know, we do our Sunday morning thing maybe. You know, every now and then we might read our Bible and, and, and we'll put some time in sometimes, but we're just kind of going through the motions a little bit. And if that sounds harsh... Please know, I only know this because I experience it. You know, I, I do this. This is my life, often. But I think the problem is when we drift our way through life, there's a couple of things that happen that's not good for us. It presents a couple of problems, and this is on the sheet as well, guys. The first thing is, is that we miss out on the full life that Jesus has for us. Like we talked about John chapter 10, verse 10. I don't have it up on the screen, but it's this promise that Jesus has that he has life for us and life to the full. And we talked about how God is this huge, amazing God and he does amazing things in the world, right? And, and he is doing stuff, you know, whether we're connected or not, he, he's doing stuff. He is working, he's, he is always amazing. 
But when we drift through life and we're, we're just disconnected, we miss out on all of that. We don't see it. And we kind of sit in our lives sometimes and we go, why isn't God doing something? And we're like, where is God in my life? And we don't realize he's doing stuff. I mean, he is active, but we're not connected. We're just kind of missing him. You know, it's like when you play phone tag with people. You know, we're just, we're not connecting. And so we miss out on that full life. That's the first one. The second one is, and especially in context of what we talked about last week, of moving our lives from darkness into life, from our old life into our new life, from patterns of behavior that weren't led by God to living for God. When we drift through life, our natural tendency is to drift back into those dark spaces. I mean, you know this to be true, right? You've experienced this. We've all experienced this. I know I have. And we drift back into old patterns of behavior, old habits of thinking. And all of this, sometimes we, we work hard on, on thinking the way that God has taught us to think, and then we just drift back. And we start, all of these, this darkness comes back. And so again, I know these things. This is experience for me. I've lived this out. And, and sometimes when I'm not connected into God, and I just drift back, and I drift back into just negative patterns, right? I mean, does that make sense? I want you to feel like you're not alone in this. I don't want you to feel like I'm kind of coming down and giving you the what's what, and this is, you know, get your life in line, people, because this is something that we all need to do. We all need to reconnect. We all need to get back into our intentionality with who God is. And that's what Paul tells us. The Paul is the guy who wrote the book of Ephesians that we're reading from. He's telling us we need our intentionality in our faith. So if last week was about moving from darkness to light, this week is about moving from drifting through life to living life on purpose. Living life on purpose, not just parts of our life, but our spiritual life as well. Which at the end, if we believe what the Bible says, if we're going to buy into this thing, when we go and we stand before God at the end of our lives, those meetings and all of that stuff that we do in our lives are not going to matter to him that much. What he's going to ask is, when I called, did you answer? When I sent, did you go? When I spoke, did you listen? These are the questions he's going to ask us about what our life was like. This is the legacy of what our life is, is the way that we connect to him. Okay. So how do we get there? Like, how do, we, how do we move from drifting to intentionality? How do we go from this, you know, this, this picture, if you want to put this picture up on, like, this is our spiritual selves. You know, how do we move from that to being spiritually like this, you know? Yeah, but without the creepy factor, you know? I mean, how do we wake up spiritually? I mean, should we just be trying harder, right? I mean, is this a, a message where I kind of put the guilt trip on you and you guys have got to put more effort in? I mean, you've got to, got to do more, you know, read more and pray more. These are good things. You know, don't, don't give me the wrong idea. We should be doing that sort of stuff. But is that the answer? Because I'm telling you, if, <laughs> if my life is any kind of example, that just doesn't work for very long, Right? 
I mean, I try really hard and I get all of these fantastic patterns. You know, I'm going to wake up at 6 o'clock and I'm going to watch the sunrise every day and then I'm going to read a, a whole chapter of the Bible and I'm going to pray for half an hour and I'm going to meditate on Him and, you know, and I'm going to go out and do some miracles and then go to work, right? That's me being spiritual. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about here because we can't do that stuff. We can't just do it. We can do a little bit. You know, we can put some patterns in. I make it about a week, week and a half when I'm just trying to put those patterns in place. We need something to sustain us, to give us that strength, to wake us up and keep us awake. I'm going to deal with the keeping us awake part next week. That's where the coffee and the caffeine comes in, right? Yeah. But this week I want to talk about how do we just get ourselves to that point, jolt ourselves into waking up more than just our own effort. We need to, something to jolt us out of being drowsy to being spiritually awake. What we need is, and you know where I'm going with this, right? An alarm clock, right? <laughs> thank you, thank you for keying in on that. We need an alarm clock, a moment where we kind of something shifts. And maybe this is the part where I'm going to start getting some interaction from you because I know we kind of go through these moments and phases in our spiritual walk where we're drifting and then God does something and it wakes us up. You know, the story, the Bible is full of stories like that. Like, there's guys who, who come across a burning bush, and God speaks to, to Moses. He was that guy, and, and Moses is like, whoa. And it pulls him out of this drifting through life that he had done and onto, like, what God wanted him to do. Another guy got eaten by a whale. That's probably not my first choice. You know, uh, uh, there's, there's miracles that happen in people's lives. There's stuff that just wakes them up, gets them jolted, ready to go. And I wonder if you've experienced anything like that in your life, a moment where just God kind of got in and shook you awake and you woke up to what was going on. Now, has anyone got any stories they want to share about a moment that, that God sort of woke them up? I'm going to sit awkwardly while I uh, wait for someone to say something. Okay, that's a good one. Again, not my first choice. Um, so my mum lost the use of her legs for a time, uh, had, had back issues and was in hospital for how long? It was months, a couple of months. And we had like 30% chance of full paralysis, right? Like we were, we were scared. That's it. That's a good wake-up call. Anything else? doesn't have to be negative. Oftentimes it is though, right? I mean, isn't that sometimes God kind of Gently prods us like the cat. Gently prods us, gently prods us. And, oh, that's not working, so let me get your retention. All right, so that's fine. You don't have to share stories. I'm just have a think about times that God has done that. And, okay, Nate, I was moving on, and now you want to say something. <laughs> I 
Yeah, it's a dangerous prayer to pray. So, Nate, um, for the purpose of the podcast, for people who can't hear you, um, Nate, uh, express this being called into mission, basically, to call to come and start a church in New Zealand, woke him up. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, there's a guy by the name of Martin Luther, and uh, this is probably the most influential person for the Christian faith outside of the Bible. Okay, so more books have been written about this guy than anyone else except people inside the Bible. I think Paul and Jesus, that's about it. Um, he is a hugely influential person. He came around the 16th century. His work pulling away from the Catholic Church, which at the time was having some serious theological issues in the way that they were um, doing some things. And, and so um, Luther led, amongst other people, what we call the Reformation which is where Protestant churches come from and, and so that. So he's very influential, but he was going to be a lawyer. And so a lot of people look at his life and they say, what was his turning point? What was his alarm clock moment? And um, the first thing that they think of is there's a story of when he's, he's on the road from one German town to another German town, I can't pronounce, and he's, um, he's, it's in a thunderstorm and the storm gets so bad and there's lightning crashing all around and he says, God, if you just let me live, I will become a monk, right? And we've all done that sort of thing. And um, so God does let him live, probably would have lived anyway, but he does let him live. And he actually does. He, he follows through, which is pretty cool. And he becomes a monk. And then that leads him on this journey to, to changing the Christian world. But as you look deeper into his story, actually, that wasn't the moment that really changed him. And I think this is important because this helps to, to kind of move us in a good direction here. Because he already was interested in how God and man could relate to each other. And so when he became a monk, he continued on that path. Oh, that was, I thought that was behind me. You like threw that sound. That was very good. And so he was like already interested. And so his studies really kind of continued on, on that path. And he was a, a Catholic monk and he was doing his work. And he said that those years, first years as a monk, studying and teaching and stuff were just horrible. They were like full of despair because he was just racked with guilt. And he could not, he, he was like in confession all the time because he could not get rid of the sense of guilt about the sin that was in his life, the things that God wouldn't like. And so he couldn't, he tried to think of every little thing that he had done wrong. And he tried to kind of confess every little thing that he had done wrong. And then he was like, what about the things I'm not even aware of? Like sometimes I do stuff and I don't even know that I've done it. What about that? I mean, how can I confess something I don't even know? And so I'm not going to be forgiven for it. And it just was driving him crazy. And so then he started studying, I think it was the book of Romans. And he just started having this realization and he had an encounter with the concept of grace. And so the way that the Catholic Church at the time dealt with grace was that you are forgiven when you accept Jesus for everything done before. And then everything after that you do, every sin after that, you have to confess or take communion or do something to absolve yourself of those sins. So they'll still count against you. And then if you die, you have to go to purgatory to kind of deal with a punishment for those sins, and then you can go to heaven. That was the theology. Okay? And he starts studying the book of Romans and the talking about how Jesus paid for all of our sins. 
and he started to recognize what God really said about forgiveness and about grace. And it changed his life. That was his alarm clock moment. It didn't happen in one day. It wasn't a moment. It wasn't spectacular. It wasn't miraculous. He just came to a realization, an encounter with the reality of who Jesus actually is, and it switched his life around. And then he started teaching grace, and he started teaching forgiveness, and that's when he started getting in trouble with the Catholic Church, and that's when he started butting heads with them, and then he didn't show much grace or forgiveness for them, but that's, that's another story. He's not a perfect person, but he, he kind of, his life turned around on this alarm clock, the slow, gentle alarm clock of love, that he realized he was forgiven, and his soul rested, and it changed everything. And that's important for us because the concept of an alarm clock is very abrupt. It's very in your face, right? It's very strong and sharp and piercing because it's got to wake you up. But that doesn't have to be the alarm clock moments that God uses in our lives to wake us up to who he is. Oftentimes what he does or what he hopes to do is to show us and give us an encounter with who he truly is. Now, again, sometimes we think encounter and we're thinking, okay, so there has to be this big miraculous sign. There has to be this moment, you know, where I'm overcome with emotions and, and I'm, you know, it's clearly God. It has to be outside of my control. And sometimes there are those sorts of moments, but oftentimes it's just a realization. Sometimes it's actually a very peaceful, quiet moment. For me, I've, 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 looking back, the moments where God truly got hold of me and got my attention the most were quiet and simple moments, realizations. This thing just pops into my head. My calling to be a preacher really was just a thought that popped into my head, but it was f- followed by a profound sense of peace and understanding about us. So I'm like, yep, okay, that's you. Other moments where God has just reached in through all of the noise, and I have so much noise in my head, and we all have so much noise in our head, and he just reaches in, pushes that aside, and he plants inception-like this little thought in my brain. And it says, you're right. You are acceptable to me right now. Right at this very moment, you're okay. I love you. And that simple moment wakes me up. And it shatters all of these lies that Satan is pouring into my head about not being good enough, about not achieving enough, about not doing the right things, all of this sort of stuff. And he just shatters it. He's like, I'm here. And that wakes me up. So there's all sorts of different encounters, all sorts of different alarm clocks that God uses. Sometimes it is a painful experience, um, or in mum's case, a lack of pain and feeling at all. Uh, Sometimes it's an accident. Um, Sometimes it's the sickness of a loved one or or something like that. Um, I know stories of people have told me about difficulties that we've gone through that have pushed us back to God, and, and we wake up in those moments, and he uses them. Sometimes they're good moments too. So, I want to kind of wrap up with our challenge for this morning. Because each, each week we've been kind of doing a little bit of a challenge, a little bit of uh, something to kind of, a little homework, I guess, to open ourselves up to God. Because this is the whole point of the series, to wake up, to let God speak into our lives. 
So I want to do something where we're trying to encourage, and we can't force this, but we're trying to encourage an encounter with the reality of who Jesus is. Okay, and I'm not looking to necessarily do something big and dramatic. Um, that's up to God what he does, but we're just trying to create space for him to step in and to speak to us a little bit, right? That's what we want to do. So there's a few options. There's lots of ways of doing that, and there's all sorts of things that you can do to try and create space. Some of you may already have things that you know will kind of lead you in the right place. Like for me, for example, I know that if I go for a walk outside in nature and listen to worship music, oftentimes that will kind of get me into a good space where God can speak to me because right, I'm kind of getting my head right, my heart right. That works for me. So I often will do that. Other people will try different things. Church services like this can often be a good chance. Um, prayer nights are a really good time to do that. But I want to kind of illustrate three things that we might want to give a try. So you can choose one of these three things. You can choose how long or big or small this one might be. So the first one is a fast. Uh, so the Bible talks a lot about fasting and the idea of giving up food. Um, I think in our modern culture, um, we can expand food to incorporate a lot of different things that occupy us. It's about putting something that takes up a lot of our sort of thought process, mental energy, physical energy. We set it aside, and, we, and when we move it out of our day, it creates a space. And so before filling it with something else, we dedicate that space to God. Okay, so some people do food. I find that I get a little bit weird in the head if I don't eat consistently, so I maybe try something else. Technology is a good one, getting rid of the internet for a time. Sorry, kids, you're not going to like me saying that. TV, um, I did one Coke once. I was addicted to drinking Coke, so I, I cut that out for a week just to hear God a little bit more, and it worked. Um, so you can choose something, anything that, that you understand means a lot to you and takes up a lot of your sort of mental energy. And so you take a certain period of time. If it's food, you probably don't want to do more than a day. If it's something else, you could extend it out to a week. But take some, something that is going to create space in your schedule and then dedicate that space to God. And you can pray in that time or you can read the Bible or do something. But just give God a little bit of space to speak to you. Second one is uh, retreat. So this is, um, I like doing retreats where you just, the concept here is about getting away from the schedule getting away from the everyday. So we have everything going on. I, I'm not saying just skip school. I'm not advocating that. But we have our schedules and just taking a say, this thing that normally happens, whether it's an hour or a day, if you're really ambitious, a weekend, and we're gonna say, I'm not doing that this, this week. I'm gonna take that out. And again, what we've done is we've created a space and we give God that space. So that's an option. The third one, I kind of, we don't talk about this very much, but I, I like this idea. It's a pilgrimage. So in a lot of different um, religions and faiths and, and denominations, they have this idea of a pilgrimage. Oftentimes, people will travel around the world to a place of spiritual significance. So for Muslims, Mecca, and there's a couple other places, Christians and Jews will often go to Jerusalem. Um, Catholics will often go to uh, Rome. Um, it's a place that, that's the center of sort of your faith. But we don't have to go overseas. Not many of us have that kind of budget and time to just, hey, let's just go to the Holy Land. Let's go to Israel. That'd be great. I'd love to do that. But we can't do that. But there are other things that we can do that fulfill this concept of pilgrimage. The idea is that we identify a place or a moment in our history or in our faith that is significant. 
So for you, it might be the church you grew up in. It might be a, a person. It might be a youth minister that you had or a children's minister that you had um, that really impacted you and had an impact on your faith. Go visit them. Uh, or go to the place where you went to church, or go to the place where you became a Christian, if there's a specific spot. You know, it's about moving to a place, to a location, or having time with a person that brings back that sense of what happened. Or if you wanted something significant for New Zealand, you could go up to the Bay of Islands and you could visit the place where Reverend Marsden preached the very first sermon on New Zealand soil 200 years ago. It's a spiritually significant place. There's nothing magical about the place, but it's just, it brings us back and, and, and brings that moment into our minds. So if it's something personal for us, it brings that back. If it's the place where we became a Christian, it brings that moment back to us and we dwell on it and God uses that space and that time to speak to us. It can be a very cathartic and very powerful thing to do. So again, it can be as big or it can be as small, but I'd, I'd be interested in, in hearing how you go with one of those three things. So I encourage you, pick one. They're in the Bible app. Um, and so, or if you go to the podcast, we have all of the slides um, in a PDF form with the podcast. So you can go and check that out if you can't remember what we put up there. But have a go at one of those, and I'm interested in hearing back next week with what that is. That makes sense? Yeah? All right. Cool. All right, I think that's good enough for me. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a time of communion. Um, so let me pray. Lord, I just um, thank you that you, gosh, I don't know why, but you want to speak to us, and you want to be part of our lives, and you want us to be part of your life, your existence. And you want full life for us. So often, Lord, we get a bit distracted by everything, and... and I know you're putting examples in my head right now of things that distract me, things that disconnect me from you a little bit. Maybe not bad things, but bad things that I take too much mental energy on and not enough on you. So Lord, help us to wake up to you. Give us an alarm clock moment. We'd like a nice one, um, you know, a gentle one, a loving one. Um, but Lord, really what we want is to wake up to you. So do what you need to do in our lives to bring us back into connection with you. And then help us as a community to help each other with that as well. As we gather together, as we pray for each other, as we get into small groups, as we do different things, Lord, help us to together to help each other take that next step towards you, waking up and connecting and preparing our hearts for what you're going to do with us this year. It's in your name we pray. Amen.